Bible study where we're coming to you tonight from Martin Manor in Chino Valley, Arizona, which means my friend Jim Sheridan and I made it through our two-week, 3,000-mile adventure uh, somewhat unscathed without too much difficulty and all. So we're here and glad to be home. Of course, I'm leaving again tomorrow, but that's the way hot rodding is. Pretty neat. Uh, tonight we will be in Hebrews chapter 8. Uh, but before we do that, I want to do something I haven't done for a while. So put your handy dandy bookmark there and turn your Bibles to Psalm 46. I haven't read a psalm in the beginning for a while. God placed it on my heart for this one. So, if you follow along with me, that'd be great. It says, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, even though the earth be removed, and though the mountains be carried into the midst of the sea, though its waters roar and be troubled, though the mountains shake with its swelling. There is a river whose streams shall make glad the city of God, the holy place of the tabernacle of the Most High. God is in the midst of her. She shall not be moved. God shall help her just at the break of dawn. The nations raged, the kingdoms were moved. He uttered his voice, the earth melted. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge. Come, behold the works of the Lord, who has made desolations in the earth. He makes wars cease to the end of the earth. He breaks the bow and cuts the spear in two. He burns the chariots in fire. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge. Let's stop there and pray. Gracious Heavenly Father, again, we come before you thanking you for this time where we get to spend in your presence, this time where we get to study your word. Again, we thank you for your word. And please open our hearts and minds to your word and keep me, as always, out of the way. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, we're continuing on, like I said, in our uh, study in the book of Hebrews. Again, tonight we're in Hebrews chapter 8. Um, kind of short, only 13 verses, but there's a lot in there. So let's see what God has in store for us. Where it says, Now this is the main point of the things we're saying. We have such a high priest who's seated at the right hand of the throne of the majesty in the heavens, a minister of the sanctuary and of the true tabernacle, which the Lord erected, and not men. For every high priest is appointed to offer both gifts and sacrifices. Therefore, it is necessary that this one also have something to offer. For if he were on earth, he would not be a priest, since there are priests who offer the gifts according to the law, who serve the copy and shadow of heavenly things, as Moses was divinely instructed when he was about to make the tabernacle. For he said, 
See that you make all things according to the pattern shown you on the mountain. But now he has obtained a more excellent ministry inasmuch as he is also mediator of a better covenant, which was established on better promises. For it, if that first covenant had been faultless, then no place would have been sought for a second. Because finding fault with them, he says, Behold, the days are coming, says the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah, not according to the covenant that I made with their fathers in the day when I took them by the hand to lead them out of the land of Egypt, because they did not continue in my covenant. And I disregarded them, says the Lord, for this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel. After those days, says the Lord, I will put my laws on, in their minds and write them on their hearts, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. None of them shall teach his neighbor, and none his brother, saying, Know the Lord, for they all shall know me, from the least of them to the greatest of them. I will be merciful to their unrighteousness and their sins and their lawless deeds. I will remember no more. In that, he says, a new covenant. He has made the first obsolete. Now what is becoming obsolete and growing old is ready to vanish away. All right. Again, uh, this is really saying that Jesus is superior to all the angels, to Moses, to the, all the high priests, and to heredity, which is really what everything seemed to be based on up until the coming of Christ. Um, this book, again, is written to Hebrews, and Hebrew believers should have an idea what's going on here. There's a lot of uh, Old Testament, well, at the time, Scripture uh, being quoted and again being written to the Hebrews. They should at least have some sort of an idea of this. What's happened is these Hebrew believers who recognize Jesus being the Messiah have uh, kind of backslidden because they, a couple of things, they got false teachers. Also, they're ostracized by their family and friends. And it's a little bit easier to kind of mix Judaism and Christianity and not make it so Christ-centered because there's similarities along the way. So he says here, the author says here, actually God says here in verse 1, Now this is the main point of the things we are saying. We have such a high priest who is seated at the right hand of the throne of the majesty in the heavens, a minister of the sanctuary and of the true tabernacle, which the Lord erected and not man. The Lord erected. Okay. The note I have on this is very interesting. The tabernacle and the temple of the old covenant had beautiful furnishings. Remember, we, you, you look back in Exodus and you see all this stuff and what's supposed to be done, how beautiful it's all supposed to be laid out, right? Beautiful furnishings, but no place for the priest to sit down because their work was never finished. 
The work of Jesus is finished, and He, as we just read, is seated on the throne in heaven. So all that work that the high priests were doing is no longer necessary. It's all been completed through Jesus. And now Jesus is seated in the true tabernacle, meaning heaven. Pretty cool. Verse 3 says, For every high priest is appointed to offer both gifts and sacrifices. We talked about this before. It's not just animal sacrifices that were offered on the altar. There are also things such as, oh, grain offerings, drink offerings. Um, and so it wasn't just sacrifices in that manner. It was gifts that were given as well. And it says now that therefore it is necessary that this one, well, it's with a capital O, meaning this one, meaning Jesus. Also, it is necessary for Jesus also to have something to offer. For if he, meaning Jesus, were here on earth, he would not be a priest, since the priests who offer the gifts according, since there, pardon me, are gifts, are priests who offer the gifts according to the law. Jesus, again, is superior to the high priest. Okay, he trumps all the stuff that was done before. So he would not be a priest in that sense. And it goes on to say, who serve, meaning the high priest here on earth, serve the copy and shadow of the heavenly things. Kind of like a model. Okay, and I think about Every time that I'd be home from school sick, my mother would buy me a car model, keep me from getting in any other more trouble. And one of my favorite ones that I built was the Beatnik Bandit. I really like that Ed Roth car. To me, that is the epitome of the Ed Roth cars. And I remember building that. And as a matter of fact, we were, uh, we were at the uh, Rocky, National, Rocky Mountain Nationals NSRA event this past week, and there they had one of those Beatnik Bandit models, and I just about bought it, but I thought, man, if I ruin it on the way home, I ain't gonna do that. But, remember building that model. However, in the early 80s, I saw it at Harris Automobile Collection in person. And it was so much neater than the model to see this in person. Guess what? The tabernacle in heaven is so much better than this copy or shadow of things here on earth. Just too cool. It says, as Moses was divinely instructed when he was to make the tabernacle, for he, meaning God, said, see that you make all things according to the pattern shown you on the mountain. That comes from Exodus chapter 25, verse 40. Again, throughout Hebrews, Scripture is being quoted to make the point. Again, the Hebrews that this is written to should recognize Scripture. At least have a little bit of a uh, working knowledge of it. Okay. Verse 6 goes on to say, But now he, meaning Jesus, has obtained a more excellent ministry inasmuch as he is also mediator of a better covenant, covenant, which was established on better promises. Okay, Greek word here is mesides for mediator, and it's 
means one who stands in the middle and brings them together. Okay, that's the Greek word. Uh, boy, it hit me. One of the worst times of my life was going through a divorce. I think anybody watching this who has gone through a divorce can say absolutely. But the thing that really was really tough was going to a mediator concerning custody of my daughter. I remember she was in a room with a bunch of other kids while the idiot people getting divorces were doing whatever. They, they were in their own, and you, you look through this little window and broke my heart. And we went to this mediator and we went in this office and there it was devoid of any uh, photographs of family or anything like this. It was real sterile. And this uh, mediator really didn't want to have to listen to anything I had to say. I said, okay, that figures, you know. Generally speaking, the mom gets custody, the dad doesn't. Okay. Well, after a couple of times going back now, I see she has photographs of her family around there. And actually, it seemed to me to indicate that she had come to know the Lord as her Savior. And there was a difference in her demeanor. Now she was listening to what I had to say, too. And things where it's easier for us to come together on what we had to do. Uh, now, I, I have to add this, that uh, my ex-wife has now given her, in the last few years, given her life to the, to the Lord. And I want to say, Sharon, if you're watching this, I'm very happy for that. But that's what a mediator does, brings things together. Some don't do a very good job, but Jesus is the ultimate mediator of a better covenant, right? The old covenant, we learned last week, didn't have a guarantor, right? There was nobody who was the guarantee. Jesus Christ is our living guarantee. We learned that last week, chapter 7, verse 22. So this is a better covenant, and it's based, established, or based on better promises. Once again, that we are saved by grace. It's not the things that we do. We don't have to go in every year on Yom Kippur and buy a dove or a lamb or whatever we could afford and, and give this, this sacrifice or anything like that because a sacrifice has been made. We are saved solely on grace. And I'm going to read this. You've heard this before. And I should know it by heart. I do, but I've learned it in so many different, <laughs> different uh, uh, versions of, of the Bible, uh, different uh, translations. So I'm going to read it so I don't mess up because it's from Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. It says, for, great, for by grace you have been saved through faith and not of yourselves. It is a gift of God not of works, lest anyone should boast. That is the new covenant that is so much greater. It's, it's, it's a gift. You know, it's the hardest thing, I think, for a lot of hot rodders to grab a hold of is that it's free. You know, my dad, and you've probably heard me say this before, my dad had a saying, Santa Claus died when I was five years old 
nothing's for free, right? And for guys that I know, hot rodders and all, you have to work for what you, what you have. But this is an absolute free gift. So sometimes it's hard for guys to accept this free gift. You know, actually, I think it's hard for a lot of us to accept any sort of a uh, compliment or gift at times. You know, I heard somebody say something about uh, a, a, a woman telling another woman about what a beautiful dress she was wearing. And the gal that was, the, was receiving the compliment said, oh, this old thing. Well, that, that might be our first response. But what that does is tell the other gal that your opinion stinks. <laughs> you know, it's hard to graciously accept something, you know, but that's the, what we need to do is graciously accept the gift of salvation through Jesus Christ. And that's the point he's trying to make here. Goes now under the heading of a new covenant and verses 8 through 12 quotes Jeremiah 31, 31 through 34. Again, we, we are quoting scripture here that those who are initially reading this should be able to figure out. Us too. Goes on, verse 7. If that first covenant had been faultless, then no place would have been sought for a second. Okay, verse 8 says, because finding fault with them, he says, behold, the days are coming, says the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and the house of Judah. Make a new covenant. Notice God is making the new covenant with man. Man is not making a new covenant with God. Man has a tendency to try to play, let's make a deal. You know, we'll do this. Oh God, if, if I'll do this, if only you will save me or whatever. Um, back in the 17th century, Black Plague in Europe, right? There's a little village in Germany called Oberammergau. Now, what they did is they, they gathered together in church and said, Lord, if you save us, from this plague, we will present this passion play every 10 years. Well, okay, being of their word, it was, they were saved from the plague, and so they were presenting this every 10 years. And my lovely bride, Pam, and I were blessed to go there in the year 2000, and they, the whole village worked on this passion play. Passion play meaning the sufferings, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Okay, come on. Now it's all in German, <laughs> and my little bit of grammar school German didn't help me out much, but you knew what was going on by what they were acting out. If you knew the story, you knew what was going on. So every 10 years, they present this play. They didn't in 2020. Why? Because of COVID, the plague. <laughs> it just cracks me up. It makes it, it is, you cannot play let's make a deal with God. God makes the deal, you accept it. You don't, you're out of here. <laughs> and so here it is again. God made a new covenant with the house of Israel and the house of Judah. Okay, Acts chapter 1, verse 8 says, but you shall receive 
power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and the end of the earth. Guess what? That's what the new covenant is. Here we are, we're receiving the Holy Spirit and we're to go out and share this with others. Again, being witnesses, not attorneys. I know that's tough because you really want to you really want to argue with somebody at times, but you just need to be a witness. Okay, now verse nine. It says, not according to the covenant, remember the old covenant, that I made with their fathers on the day when I took them by the hand. I like that. Took them by the hand to lead them out of the land of Egypt. Why? Continues to say, because they did not continue in my covenant, and I disregarded them, says the Lord. So here it is. If you break the covenant with God, <laughs> you know, you get your comeuppance. Goes on to say, For this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, says the Lord. I will put my laws in their mind and write them on their hearts, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. And of course, as always, I need to have a Charles Spurgeon quote, and this one's really great. Of course, all the rest of them are too. But this one says, the best way to keep, to, pardon me, to make a man keep a law is to make him love the law giver. Ooh. You know, uh, I talk about my dad a lot. I was very blessed to have the relationship that I did with my dad. And I've talked to other guys that had similar relationships where uh, letting my father down and having him tell me that he was disappointed in me was worse than if he had ever hit me. Just the fact that I wanted to please him because of his love for me, I wanted to make sure that I didn't let him down. I came, I came down the shop to go to work after school and he said, boy, you sure let me down. And I, you know, I was lower than an ant's belly on that thing, man. Well, you know, that's, that's the whole thing. For somebody to want to do what is right, you need to have that love. You know, we need to have the love for God that He has for us. And that causes to do right. Well, it encourages us to do right. How's that? We don't, we're not under the Ten Commandments. Boom, you guys can't do this. You know, actually, they're a really good set of guidelines. Oh, don't kill. Well, that's a good idea. Don't commit adultery. Well, that's another good idea. Don't lie. Well, yeah, don't steal. All these things that goes on, these are all good things. And if we commit to memory or it's in, within our conscience, such as God is saying, I'm going to put them in their minds and write them on their hearts, within our conscience, that gives us these, these boundaries. That if we stay within those boundaries, things will work out pretty well. Okay. I will be their God and they will be my people. Verse 11, none of them shall teach his neighbor and none his brother, saying, Know the Lord, for all shall know me, from the least of them to the greatest of them. For I will be merciful to their unrighteousness and their sins and their lawless deeds 
I will remember no more. Wow, isn't that great? Isn't that great news for us? Why? Because Jesus, the new covenant, paid the price for all those sins. Okay? Now, it seems strange to me when I read this, none of them shall teach his neighbor and none his brother, saying, Know the Lord, for all shall know me. Boy, that would almost sound like that everybody is saved, wouldn't it? Now, here's the key. I know of Don Garland's. Okay? I do not have a relationship with Don Garland's. So this is, the, this, is my, this is my illustration here. Although people know of God, know of Jesus, but if they don't have a relationship with Him, there's, there's where the, the problem exists. Uh, I don't remember the name of C.S. Lewis's stepson, but I heard an interview with him on the radio many years ago. And he had some very interesting things to say, such as, I always thought this was great, that his mom and C.S. Lewis would play Scrabble. And they would do it cutthroat, no matter what language. If you had a word, and it was in Chinese, whatever, Swahili, if you had a word, you could find it in a dictionary somewhere, it was good. So you can just imagine the competition here. So that's kind of neat, little side note. But he said something that, he was thinking, well, you know, I know God. <laughs> and I believe, oh, that's right, I believe in God is what he said. And he said, then it occurred to me, Satan believes in God too. Hmm, there is a difference. There's a difference between knowing and having that relationship. And once you receive Jesus into your heart and you have that relationship, wow, what a change. What a difference. And, and always, I have to say this, anybody within the sound of my voice, that is my desire for you, is to have that relationship with Jesus Christ. It's simple. Just say, hey, you know what, Lord? I'm a sinner. <laughs> I've messed up. And I know that you paid the price for my sins. Please come into my heart and change me. And guess what? That isn't the formula. You get, it's funny, we get the sinner's prayer. Everybody has a different sinner's prayer, it seems. Whatever denomination or non-denomination you're in, it isn't the words, it's the heart change. That's the thing that you have to understand. Did I say this right? Well, did you mean it? Well, yeah. Well, then, okay. <laughs> you said it right. But that's the thing. It is the relationship with Jesus Christ that saves us. It's not what we do. And that's, again, what we're getting through here in this book of Hebrews. Verse 13, it says, In that he says, a new covenant, he has made the first obsolete. Now, what is becoming obsolete and growing old is to vanish away. Again, the new covenant. What is that? Following the law. Here we are having to follow the law. And interestingly enough, you know, the chief priests and scribes, Pharisees, Sadducees, they all added more laws to Jesus' law, up to God's law. Okay, how about uh, keeping the Sabbath day? Well, what does that mean? Well, then they added all these other laws, like really 
picking this up and getting a drink of water might be, you know, doing work and you may not, you know, you shouldn't be doing that on the Sabbath or walking. They said, how many paces you have to walk to make it work? It's so much silly stuff. Over 900 extra laws they added to it. That's not right. Simple. We believe in Jesus. And he paid the price. Now I have one final note on verse 13 when it says, it says he has made the, the first obsolete. Now what is becoming obsolete and growing old is ready to vanish away. Now, at the time that the man whom God used to write the write Hebrews. Remember, we don't have a specific author. There's arguments whether it's Paul, Apollos, Barnabas, others, right? I, again, it's my opinion, this is, this is according to Willie, so take it every way you want to, is that God intentionally did not identify the author of Hebrews so we can always remember that all Scripture is God-breathed, okay? That it is written by God through these other authors. Anyway, the man whom God used to write Hebrews went that at the time that he did this, the ceremonies of the Mosaic Covenant were still being conducted in the temple in Jerusalem. Okay, when this was written, right? In AD 70, Roman general Titus destroyed the temple, fulfilling these words in verse 13. All done. Okay, remember, all scripture is God-breathed. And remember, it's not through works, it's through faith that we're saved. All right. Now, I have to ask this question. Any questions, comments, or smart aleck remarks? Okay, again, if you should have something, please, please feel free to put it on Facebook or the website or whatever. Give me a, give me a holler. Whatever the deal is, I'm happy to talk. And again, if I say something here that sounds wonky to you, let's talk about it. Because I am a man, and I am, I am not anywhere near perfect. So I just like to talk, and again, it's my desire that everyone, in the sound of my voice, know Jesus as their Savior. Let's close with a prayer. Gracious Heavenly Father, again, we thank you for this time we share together. We thank you for your love, that you loved us so much that you sent your Son to pay the price for our sins, the new covenant. And Lord, we pray that uh, you continue to bless us as you have. Keep us in your care. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. See you next week.